Hi, I'm Stephen Crafty and you're listening to Talking Design. Today I'd like to share with you my 2012 interview with Marty Doherty. She's a graduate of RMIT's Interior Design Program and has a wonderful ability to transform high-end interiors. I love her fascination for the 80s design, which she often brings to her projects. Please enjoy. Hi, I'm Stephen Crafty. I'm at RMIT University in Melbourne, and I'm the presenter of Talking Design. And I'm here with Marty Doherty, a co-director of Doherty Lynch Interior Designers. And welcome to the show. Thank you. Um, Marty, tell me a little bit. You've, you've had an interesting career. You started out as an interior designer. Yes. And you graduated from RMIT University. Yes, I did. I studied um, interior design at RMIT, and which is a four-year course. And following that, I started studying architecture. Um, didn't last too long. Six months was, was about my limit for architecture. Why um, did you switch to architecture? I think four years of interior design was pretty intense and it was also an incredibly creative course and I just found after studying four years the most crazy, you know, creative course to then go into architecture, I found it quite dry. Um, although in saying that, I have an incredible passion for, for architecture mm. and still love the, the idea that I would that I will go back and study to become an architect. So. Was it the time periods, the, the length it takes to complete a project? Uh, I don't think it was that. I think I'd come from doing dance, sculpture, performance. Um, as part of the interior as design. As part of the interior design course to then just um, working on a, on a drafting board in black and white. And I just, it might, it may have been the subjects that I picked and the lecturers that I picked, but it just, um, it just didn't interest me as much as interior design. So you... So I then took a year off, um, and I and I painted my way around quite a few galleries in Victoria, and following that, I, I gained employment with Chris Connell, who is, um, is is an interior designer, who was doing lots of restaurants, great residential work, um, and I worked with him for a couple of years, and we um, we got a fantastic job in London, and it was to design a restaurant, not the Eastern Market, it, the the Great Eastern Dining Room. I wrote on it. Did you? Yes. Ah, so we designed that from Melbourne, and then I it was about to be built, and I thought I'm just going to head over to London and see what the building process is like, and I also it was quite. Um, it was quite new that you would design a space without actually seeing it. Why did they select someone from Melbourne? Um, when they've got all these other designers at their fingertips. It was um, it was a Melbourne guy who was starting up the restaurant, and he had um, worked with Chris and and had dined at the um, great where, where was it, the Melbourne Wine Room, and so he knew Chris, and so he just thought, well, hey, what about this crazy idea? You design a restaurant for me in London, and Chris said, yeah. So we just. Um, it was via fax, um, <laughs> and we designed it all pretty much via fax. It just A4 drawings, we'd scan them over, we'd get a response back, and it was all approved, and then it started construction, and I just went over and helped Will um, on site, and just any questions, rather than waiting you know, with, with a time delay, I was there to help answer questions, and I was you know, mine boggled over by London. It was just amazing. So you had some other great experiences in London. Um, yeah, I did. I after after seeing the completion of that um, of that restaurant, I worked for Conran Design Group, 
and we were working on the um, on the rebranding of Diesel, the whole Diesel brand um, throughout the UK and Europe. The stores. Yeah, the stores. That's right. Yeah, and so my first job was to spend six weeks designing the new coat hangers for the for the, for the label. How difficult can a coat hanger be? Oh my gosh, it was amazing. <laughs> it was. It opened up my eyes to. I just. I was mind. I was blown away by the fact that we designed this whole restaurant, the greatest in dining room. In about three weeks, and yet here I was designing coat or designing coat hangers and investigating coat hangers for about six to eight weeks. Why? So why? <laughs> that seems mad. <laughs> it does seem mad, but they just wanted to they they wanted to push the boundaries of um, you know, in in every aspect of their clothing, from you know, from the tags to the clothing racks to the flooring to you know all different areas. They just really wanted to to experiment and do something that that hadn't been considered before. Sorry to go back. I sound like I'm harping, but what did the coat hanger look like <laughs> after six weeks? Okay, so the coat hangers there were there were three different types, but um, the, the the one that we developed for the for the diesel brand was made of rubber, and it had these um, perforated rubber padded elements on the side of it. So they looked like spaceship, spaceship, or? a little bit like a spaceship. Yeah, but they actually worked beautifully the clothes sat so nicely on them and it was just a really really beautiful tactile material and really nice to just um it looked really nice on on, on the racks which is something that people you know hadn't considered then so so after, <laughs> what other di- what other projects did you work on I, Conrad? I just worked on the on the diesel project so mm. that that was for quite a while yeah okay. so that was it and then um I moved on to David Collins, who's um, a great interior designer in, in in London, who does work all over the world. And um, it was a fantastic office. It was very um, multidisciplinary. So there were architects, interior designers, graphic designers, jewellery designers, boat makers. Um, and so it was just a real a real eye opener for me. We'd, I'd come from an office of you know two people to then go to an office of forty people with just such varied skills. It was and how did fantastic. those skills Marty, how did those skills develop? You know, work yeah. in terms of developing an interior that's quite. Unusual? Yeah, well, um, it was interesting. There was often, you know, maybe five or six on a team, and the the director would often just um, allocate certain jobs to certain people without actually. I, I don't know that he really thought about who was doing what. So it would be, often be the you know the boat builder would. Would, would would incorporate his designs into the actual interior, so the the, the overall layout. So it was kind of quite varied. You know, the, the skills. The jewelry designer was amazing at you know the, the detailing and the the little extra details that hadn't been considered by say the boat builder or or the interior designers or the graphic designers. So and and for people who don't know about Collins, what type of interiors were they predominantly commercial or um, no, residential? Uh, a mixture of residential and retail. Um, he'd done some quite high-profile clients. He'd worked on in Madonna's homes in LA, Paris, um, London, Tom Ford's home in London. Wow! Um, and he was responsible for the relaunching or um, of the Jager um, Jager brand. He did Jay Shiki's. Quite a lot of um, very well-known um, restaurants work with Mark, uh, Marco Pierre White. Um, so he's quite a high-profile interior designer. What Marty would you say is a signature? for Collins' work, um, if you walked in. I mean, yeah. with, say, Mark Newson, you get a sense of his work yeah. even before someone says it's a Mark Newson. Yeah. If I didn't know it was a Collins yeah. interior, how would, how would I know? I think there's a couple of things. There's, um, It's very over the top. It's um, very colourful, very playful, and just... an incredible... Like, they often have a, a beautiful serenity about the, about the spaces, and... Um, 
And I think the fact that he considers his office considers everything so from the from the overall space planning to the lighting to the you know even to the glassware and the the detailing the tassels on the curtains mm. the light it's a bit switches like Philip Stark. that's exactly right it's ve- yeah it's quite similar to, to mm. Philip Stark it's probably a little bit more classic and a little bit more um, detailed than, than Philip Stark mm. though whereas he's probably more statement you know David Collins is more classic, I think. For those visiting London, if, yeah. if I was visiting London tomorrow, yeah. where would I see his work? Uh, Shop-wise, I mean, obviously Madonna's not going to invite me into her London no, ad. No, no, no. Or Tom Ford, although no. I'm quite happy to accept the invitation. <laughs> but where would I see... Uh, you would see his work in the Jager stores. Nice. Um, where else would you see his work? Uh, quite a few restaurants, quite a few restaurants in okay. London as well. Okay. Yeah. So... You decided to come back to Australia? Um, yeah, I had the option to travel six months with my partner and he was going backpacking around the world for six months and um, I just decided that, sound, that that sounded absolutely amazing and I I had an awesome time in London and just decided to travel for six months. So we so we travelled for six months before we came back to Melbourne. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how did Doherty Lynch start up? Um, Doherty, when I first got back from Melbourne, I worked um, on the National Gallery for Federa- at Federation Square. So I was working for Lab, and um, and I worked on that project until it finished. And after that, I had a small stint at Bait Smart, and Fiona was working. My business partner Fiona was working at Bait Smart as well. So um, we formed a friendship through Bait Smart, and then. Um, she left to have her first child and I left to start up my own business and she came and worked for me and we worked on projects for a couple of years and we found that um, a lot of our clients, we we were working independently as well and quite a few of our clients were, or potential clients, were interviewing both of us, not knowing that we had worked together. So So they obviously liked That's right, they liked the the style that we do. So we just thought, this is crazy, why don't we, why don't we, you know, form a business and start working together seriously. And so that happened about two years ago. Mm. Yeah. Tell me about some of the work you do. Okay. Uh, and how you approach the interior. Okay. We've, um, we're interior designers, but we are, um, we're also work quite a lot with architects. So we're probably more an architectural interior design firm than a decorating interior design firm. We um, have quite a few, off, quite a number of jobs in the office at a time. Um, we approach each project completely differently. We have a mixed bag in the office at the moment. We've got a mixture of retail, some residential, quite large residential as well as quite small re- residential projects. Um, and then we also have some corporate jobs. So it's a real mixed bag. There's a team of uh, six of us in the office. All women. It is all women. We're hoping to um, we're hoping to balance it out with our next employee. <laughs> why do you think? Why has it happened that way? Is it just you feel comfortable having a, a women only office? Um, it's not that at all. Uh, most of the people that have approached us have been women. Um, we would really we're really keen to balance it out and to get a male male in the office, whether that's an interior designer or an architect. We're not fussed. So. That will be our next our next move. The dynamic in the office is fantastic. It's a really friendly, warm, bubbly kind of office, um, and we're you know we're we're keen to keep that. Um, we collaborate with a lot of um, a lot of other designers, graphic designers, architects. So, who, who, how do you choose your architect for a project? So obviously, yeah. you know, the, the architect has to be right for yes. the 
yeah. the job. How do you go about selecting? I mean, who are the Do you job? know, in most cases, we don't get to select the architect. Oh, okay. The it's already client, done. Well, the, yeah, the client often selects us. So, um, or the architect recommends us. Yeah. So most projects where we've collaborated with architects, the um, the architecture has already been, you know, is already, has already commenced. How difficult is it when mm. the architecture's already commenced or well underway yeah. and then you have to go in and it's very difficult to move a wall yes. once an architect's already, when it's already, or builder's already built it. Yes. And if you see it differently or how does it work? Because it's... Yeah, normally could, I would have thought the procedure is that you work closely with an architect from yes, the start. Yes, and that but that's would, not the case often. It's often not the case. That would be our ideal scenario: is to start a project um, with an architect and really collaborate on the interiors and the exteriors as well. Mm. But in our experience, we've found that isn't the case, and often the architecture, the the architect will become involved, and then will become involved at, the la- at a much later stage. And what are the problems for that oh, for you? Look. We've actually had quite. We, we, we've had fantastic success working with architects. Um, we've worked with really good architects. Thankfully, we've you worked can name with. Names, it's okay. We've worked with Allenberg Fraser, Jackson Clement Burrows, uh, Neil Clearahan. So we've been fortunate that we have worked with good architects. Um, but yeah, often there are times when, uh, when we're considering how people will move through the space, we you know we question whether the architects have really considered that, and um, often you know it is too late to change. To, to move walls, to move windows, that kind of thing. So we will often have to work within a space, but, um, but yeah, you know, we're, we're okay with that. But the, look, there, there definitely are problems. There are issues, and our ideal scenario would be to get an so, architect to start, yeah. For those who can't see Doherty Lynch's work, yes. and, you know, we're not, uh, we're not a television set here. No. How do you describe it? Okay. Is um, it, I mean, obviously the influences from working from Collins and yes. uh, Conrad, but how would yeah. you describe some of your work? Yeah, okay. And my partner, just to give you a bit of a, um, background on my partner, my partner Fiona has is an interior designer as well who's also studied fine arts and she has worked for um, John Wardle, who is a fantastic architect in Melbourne. Um, she was on the interiors team um, and has worked on some quite extraordinary residential projects. I would say if somebody hasn't seen our website and doesn't know of our work, to jump onto our website and have a look. But if you, um, to explain it, our work is um, it's quite um, well considered, beautifully detailed. It has a sense of playfulness, um, sense of whimsy, um, and um, yeah, I think well considered. Yeah. What do you think? I mean, for you and Fiona, what's um, what's the most challenging thing about the work that you're doing? Um, is it sometimes not getting things made? You know, the frustration of not being able to get things made here or the time of importing mm. um, certain things or just... I think the biggest issue client is issues. client issues. Yeah, I think everything else can be, can happen. It's amazing how quickly things can happen. But it's often that clients really don't understand uh, what an interior designer does. And it's not until the end of the project that they really realise... What do they think what an interior they think. designer does? Well, often... And, and you know we're you know we're quite good communicators and we're very open with our clients and we tell them exactly what we will do. But often it's not until the end that they actually consider really well how they want to use the spaces. And I think they think that the spaces and the the areas that they live in or that they um, 
shop in is just it just happens and it, it, it's actually quite a complex process and to convince the client or to explain to the client how that works is quite difficult so that's why we work we love working with clients for the second time we feel like the first time it's a lot you about improved yourself we've, we've improved ourselves we've also got to know them and we've educated them on how the how the process works so working with a client the second time is often the most the most successful right. yeah what have been some of the disasters? Or don't we want to talk uh, about those? <laughs> disasters. Um, we is, it, is it the problem at the moment, and this is something I think is quite important, with all the uh, the media yeah. and the television shows, the makeover, mm. that people don't really get the role of an interior designer, that if anything, people th- think of themselves as a designer well, now. Well, yes, that is that is an issue. And, um, and yeah, a lot of these television shows should be banned, I think. Mm. Um, they're really misleading and, um, you know, just, setting, just sending the wrong message to people. Yeah, that, they're, you know, it is a very complex um, industry. There's a hell of a lot to consider. And, um, and you want something that lasts. We, well, that's exactly right. You want something that lasts. And it, 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 the old adage, you know... Um, you get what you pay for as well, you know, to, to engage quality tradesmen, mm-hmm. quality designers. It's just so important to get a quality project, to get a quality finish to your job. Um, Marty, do you tend to do a mock-up? How do you tend to explain to the client what something will look like in the end? Because, you know, you're investing, they're investing quite a bit of money. That's right. And to just say, <clears throat> I'll leave it to us. But, you know, do you do, you do 3D models? Do you do, you know... Yeah. schemes, boards, how do you tend to get the idea across to the client from the outset that this is exactly what they're getting? Yeah, it depends on the project. For our retail clients, we do often do 3D um, renders of the space. Um, we also do, uh, we show plans and elevations as well as sample boards so that they can get a real feel for the project mm. um, and a real feel for the finishes. They can actually touch the stone or touch the metal that we're pro- proposing to use. Mm. So um, the retail clients get a fantastic idea of the stores. For residential clients, we often don't do that. Um, we walk them through the space. We, um, you know, we have long conversations about how they live, um, how they want to live, and um, and then for our corporate clients, yeah, look, it's you know, it it, de- it depends really on the project, um, and it also depends on the client as well. Some of them um, can't visualize the end project, the, the end result, whereas others, others can. So the ones that can't, we obviously, we, you know, we, we help them along. And I'm always interested in trends and where we're going in interiors because yeah. I think the last few years have been a little bit clouded when people aren't sure. But where do you see things going? Um, I see the future uh, in design as probably being more, uh, more humble design, more... Um, Honest? More honest, yeah, I really do. I feel like the last few years, um, or in the last 10 years, it's been quite excessive and quite statement statement pieces and statement design. And I feel now there's a a lot of clients are just wanting, you know, understated, more humble, more humble design. So you don't just walk in the front door and go, wow. That's exactly right. It's more, more will be revealed as you, you know, as you enter the building and so that you, you, you know, you find secret nooks and just um, a little bit more... Um, sophisticated, I suppose, rather than just all 
designer design, furniture. Yeah, furniture. that's right. That's right. Well, I think the problem is with designer furniture is lovely in moderation, but you yes. don't want your house to look like a showroom. You don't. And a lot of homes were starting to look like showrooms. A lot. Yeah, they really were. And I feel like people now are just rebelling against that and going with, you know, their auntie's old you know, pieces yeah. and, and, you know, th- that trend has continued, I think, in retail as well. There's just a real, um, you know, a, just a scaled down version of the pizzazz that was there 10 years ago. Yeah. No, I, I feel that's the same yeah. too. I think yeah. that um, people don't want that bling. No. And something worn. That's right. And has a history. That's is right. actually quite lovely to have yeah, in the Yeah, and far more interesting, I think, than just, um, just a, a fake facade almost. Mm. So, yeah, I agree. Um, Marty, where you mentioned retail stores that you're working on. Is there anything in Melbourne that there's not? We've we're, just uh, starting. No, no, no. Oh. Well, maybe in the next year or so, we're we're working for a, a clothing company called Flower, which is a Perth um, fashion company, and we're designing 29 new stores wow. and nationally. Redo- nationally, yeah, and redoing 30 of their existing stores. So, which is just fantastic. Like for a retailer to be growing that quickly is extraordinary in these times. I've never heard of flowers. No, neither had we. What do they do? It's a women's a women's clothing range, and its um, its target market is women who are thirty five to fifty five years of age. So, fantastic. Yeah, it's quite it's quite interesting. It's um it's a it's a really good project, and we've just finished a store in Perth and there's another one opening uh, soon in Brisbane. Fantastic. So they're they're going to be heading down to Melbourne in the next year or so. So Very we hope exciting. to Yeah, so we hope to design some stores in Melbourne which should which so would it's be called fun. Flower. Flower. Yeah. Lovely. Yeah. Um Marty, what do you enjoy most about your work? Is it seeing the final interior come together mm. or is it just the idea to start with and then there's a couple of stages that Fiona and I both love best and the the first stage is the yellow trace stage where we have the plans and we're sketching our ideas and we just there's just piles of paper around us and we just get so excited and we love looking at we love um, you know collaborating but also doing our own ideas and seeing each other's ideas and also incorporating the ideas of the girls in our office the other stage that I particularly love is the early stages of construction just after demolition just the idea of what it could be is just so exhilarating to me and I also love um, I love the form of um, a building before it's got plasterboard on it I just think it's so beautiful the whole scaffolding the the studs I just um, I think it's there's something quite beautiful about a building that hasn't been finished yet so your exhilaration is probably the opposite of the client that's exactly who's actually right looking at the building site quite going, fearful yeah where is she? <laughs> I want to see her now. That's exactly right. And and that's the stage where, yeah, they often get the most nervous, but that's where I'm most excited because they're just the anticipation of what it could be. Fantastic. Yeah. Look, thanks so much, uh, Marty, for coming in uh, today. It's been an absolute pleasure, oh, pleasure. talking to Thank you. Thank you. And you've been with Stephen Crafty, Talking Design, um, presented at RMIT University in Melbourne. Thanks very much, Marty.